now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio Free for All Friday Edition with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Hart. Okay, hey everybody, I want to welcome you all to this special edition of Free for All Friday. I am your sweet and lovable host, just in case you didn't know that, in case I haven't brainwashed you yet. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I don't know about you, but I've had a super duper awesome, totally cool week with um, some of the best guests in the universe on our show uh, this week. In fact, uh I have to tell you that I had, um, I, I was at the pool this morning doing water aerobics. I know. I know. Just look at me. You can tell how awesomely fit I am. <sighs> anyway. Uh, anyway, so I was there and I met a woman yesterday. Uh, no, actually Monday. And I introduced her to our show. And uh, she came over to me this morning and she's like, ah! and, and she says, I watched your show. And I said, you did? And she's like, yeah. She goes, you're sweet and lovable, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I thought it was so funny. I, I was like, yep, yep, that's what they say. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the truth. My guests are just as sweet and lovable as I am, and uh, probably more so. Um, so, yeah, this week we had uh, Kamal Salim on, a former PLO-trained Muslim terrorist. And then... Um, then we had Pastor Tommy Norman on Wednesday, which was totally cool. And yesterday we had on a uh, one of the, the lead characters uh, who sang for Delirious. And also uh, also he has released um, uh, the Beatitudes, Stu, Stu Gerard, who's, been, who's working with Amy Grant, a really big name in Christian music. And today, even a bigger name here on Periscope, people, without... You know, he doesn't need an introduction, but I'll, I'll give him one. Let me think about it, though. Hmm. How do I describe a man who's got a smile as wide as the sky, intellect as high as the earth, you know, charm like, well, I wouldn't, I was going to say, no, I won't say that because then that won't work. Um <laughs> Uh, anyway, he's a great guy. I love this guy. And, you know, I don't say that. Well, I kind of do, but I don't really. Uh, this guy, I just love him. And if if I lived in Virginia where he lives or D.C. area, I would be like totally at his house with his wife. And I'd be talking to him all the time uh, because Pastor Pedro, a.k.a. Pastor P, Pastor Pete, uh, Pastor Jacques uh, Grooms is our guest today. And um, and. He's been doing this series on uh, how to defend your faith and apologetics. And we're going to bring him on. We're going to talk about that. But first, um, I want to read our verse of the day, which I didn't put up on Canva. So sorry, you're just going to have to listen to me read it. Even though, you know, if you have a Bible, you might want to open it. Open it up. Like, open it. To 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And here's what it says. And I'm going to read it in the New American Standard Version because that's my favorite version. It says this. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And 
I learned this first many moons ago, way back when I was a young woman, a younger woman. <laughs> and, and you know, it served me well. Because here's a couple of things about the verse. Number one, you've got to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. If Jesus isn't your Lord first, then it's going to be a real hard time defending what you believe about him or even talking about him, frankly, because, yeah, let's just say it. A lot of Christians don't talk about the Lord for whatever reason. I don't get it, uh, which then makes me question whether or not they're actual Christians. That's just me. Uh, But then it says always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account. So the question is, do you think that people are going to ask you? Here's the here's the thing. If nobody is asking you, then there might be something not going on in your life. Right. Somebody needs to ask you questions. Hey, D. Emmanuel. I am. And so people are going to ask. So you got to give an answer. I'll give you a really fast example. Last night, my girlfriend, Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Fee, who, by the way, I told you recently, she actually just got 1 million hearts here on Periscope. So you guys need to go and congratulate her. But last night, Jennifer, she uh, actually teaches at, um, at Vanguard University. She's a grad psych cognitive behavioral therapist teacher. And anyway, she asked me, or technically I asked her, if I could come and speak to her grad psych class last night. And so I did. I flew to California. I got off the plane. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You would all believe me too, because I could totally say that with a straight face. No, actually I got on zoom and uh, anyway, and we connected on zoom and, um, and she, she zoomed me into her, her uh, class. And the whole reason she wanted me there was because it was a trauma based class. It was a, a class about how to learn trauma, you know, overcome trauma. And she wanted to talk to me because I've shared my testimony and I've gone through my recovery and, and all that. So she wanted me to help teach the the students that were there. And it was very cool. It was awesome. Plus I found out afterwards I actually got paid and I didn't even know I was getting paid. So that was totally cool too on top of it. But this morning Jennifer told me um, that uh, one of the, the responses um, from one of the students was, um, you know, actually she told me a lot of things, but one of the things she, she told me was she said, you know, Stacy, there were some unbelievers in that class and you didn't know it. And, um, you know, I was just looking at these particular people because I know who they are because this is a Christian school, but there are some unbelievers. And long story short, she said, I really, really appreciated that you shared the gospel and you shared why you forgave your mom, why you did this, blah, blah, et cetera. And hopefully, that testimony will impact a life for eternity. And that is my hope and my prayer. So, so in first Peter three fifteen, when it says that always be ready and the kids did ask me questions, actually. one of the questions they asked me was how come uh, they asked me if I had ever gotten mad at God? That's an honest question. And as a therapist trainee, you know, you're, you're learning, you know, you're going to have to deal with spiritual issues. Just any of, any of us will, right? I mean, let's be honest. How many of us get mad at God? I would be one of the first people to jump in line and say, yeah, I did. In fact, I ripped up my Bible and I kicked it and I threw it around the room and I screamed and yelled at God and told him to send me to hell. And I did all these horrible things that I would never want to ever do again. But that is real, right? And what people who want the truth are looking for is actual reality, right? They're, they're looking for that. So anyway, it says here to, for anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. 
And I could tell you a gazillion examples of people who don't do that. (laughs) And I'm very thankful that over the last 12 years, God's really kind of buffed me out a little bit and taught me to be a little bit more gentle. And he's still doing that. I'm not perfect, as you all know. I mean, especially if you listen to me all the time, you totally know I'm not perfect. But um, anyway, so that's our verse. And uh, Pastor Pete, a.k.a. Pastor P, is um, going to, he's going to teach us. Just saying, that's all I'm going to say. So I want to bring you on, Pastor, and then um, and then we do want to thank our sponsors in a little bit. But let's get you on the air here, brother. Nice to see you again. I can't hear him. Hmm. Hold on. Okay, don't worry. If you can't hear him, I can't either. <laughs> so. I should be good to go. Okay, can you talk now? Can you hear me now? I can. I'm happy to hear you. Nice to see you again. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm I'm glad I um uh, I, I brushed my teeth since you said I had such a nice smile. <laughs> you do. I just you're you're really funny. I'm 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 starting to realize and understand you you miss your calling. I did. Yeah, yeah. You're a pretty good comedian, and um and I think it's good. I think <laughs> laughter laughter keeps you youthful. You know. That's true. I told the class last night that I, I was almost 49 and I didn't really look a day over 48 and they all laughed. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, maybe you didn't, but anyway. <laughs> you. Uh, well, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of that emoticon on uh, Facebook, the one with the big, huge smile, that one. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I should get paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> wow, not not for the interview. I I enjoy having conversations with you and Randall. And um, I just want to thank you guys once again, right off of the off the top before we get into any dialogue. It's always humbling to know that somebody wants to hear what you have to say. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, a, lot of, it's a lot of people talking, but. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I know. Well, and you know what? See, that's what I find really interesting about Periscope because anybody in the world, and it's not just Periscope, but let's be honest, anybody in the world can get on Periscope and or any other live stream app and start talking. The question is, what makes people want to listen to you? Because, you know, we're, we, you're older than me, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just true. And you're... You you were actually raised with the media even differently than I was, right? I mean, the media when you were younger is was a little less than it was when I was younger, right? And it, and now we live in a, a, a you know a pocket media. I, I don't know if anybody coined that. I did right now. Pocket media meaning that the media is in your pocket. You don't need you need you don't need to go and have your rabbit ears and all that to watch CBS or NBC or ABC, right? And, but what? But the thing is, is, is what makes people want to tune into you. And for me, when I started listening to you, not only are you, I, you're charismatic. I think you're charismatic. I'm charismatic. I know I am. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel like it, but I think you are because you speak with confidence and you speak with boldness and authority. And that's what Christ did. You're you're not you're not somebody who is afraid of of telling the truth and you're somebody who 
you actually, you're a good communicator. You're a great communicator, not just good, but you're a great communicator. So, um, and it's clear that you don't necessarily all the time get on and just go, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, there's people who do that, but you prepare for what you're going to say. You study the word and you, you deliver it. And I appreciate that, which is why I've asked you to come on. Well, I, I, I just thank you once again for thinking so highly of me. But, but one of the interesting things is that uh, before I gave my life to Christ, um, I realized, well, I didn't realize until after I gave my life to Christ um, that being a Christian is very important. Uh, it's it's uh, just going to church is not enough. Uh, I've heard somebody say it's just like sitting in the garage. It doesn't make you a car. So um, I, I'm glad that I learned early um, and took the word serious, uh, where now it's, it's just one of those things where I, I just want to share and try to learn more. And, and it's interesting that you would talk about people having a platform of being able to say anything that they want to say. Uh, but I think it's kind of been prophesied that, that, that there will become, you know, many teachers uh, sharing that wouldn't even be the truth. And that's what we, we hear. We hear a lot of people telling untruths. And it's not that they didn't exist in times before. It's just that they didn't have the opportunities and the platforms that they have now. So that's why when it comes to being a Christian and being able to, uh, to defend your faith, you have to make sure you've done some homework. You have to make sure. And, and if you're not careful, because, because Paul reminds us that you will, be, you will be tempted. Someone, you will have a conversation with somebody, and they'll have you leaving that conversation. Well, maybe I made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Right. So you better be careful who you listen to. I think it's in Philippians 4.8. Uh, it says, think on these things, uh, those things that are worth, you know, good, pleasing, and healthy. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, it's, 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 you have to really watch what you keep in the front of your, your, your face. And that's why I don't watch a bunch of news. Right. Oh, I don't either. And you know what? It's, it's, uh, you know, one of, <laughs> one of the compliments I get all the time is that I'm a joyful person. And they right. say, what's the secret to your joy? Well, Jesus, others, and you. I mean, seriously, let's put it that way. You know, if you, I don't watch TV. I really don't. The, the most TV I literally have sat in front of was Wonder Woman when I went and saw it last weekend. And that was two and a half long, arduous, tormenting hours. No, I wouldn't say it was completely tormenting, but it was long. I'm like going, really? This is like, ugh. <laughs> so, and, you know, and I cover news, right? But I don't sit in front of, um, you know, like when the London thing took place, I did watch some of the live streaming and maybe a half hour of it. And it was all I could stand. I couldn't stand it. Drive me crazy. It just, just give me the print. I can read the print, deal with it. But, but yeah, you got to be careful. And the thing is, is, and, you know, I, I have guests on here. Like earlier, we had Kamal on, right? This um, former Muslim, now he's Christian apologist. And I was talking to him afterwards, and I'm like, man, I don't know the word compared to this guy. <laughs> you know? it, just, it just made me want to get more into the scripture because I don't know the Bible that well. Compl- I mean, seriously. So. Yeah, um, one of the things about um, apologetics when it comes to I guess your faith, anyone 
anyone that's about something, it's just like right now with the uh, with the NBA finals going on. You have people that know the stats of those games front to back. They know about the salaries. They know about injuries. And, and, and then when you ask people about the Bible, they act like they don't have any sense. They act like that. It's, it's foreign language. But in actuality, I believe that we invest and we pursue those things that we're really passionate about. And, and, and when, I, when I started looking at apologetics, and I said it before, uh, Robbie, 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 Robbie Zacharias, he's one of the most, one of my best uh, apologists that I know uh, and that I watch. And it's amazing uh, the different platforms. Now, he was gifted to go into the places that he go, but God also instructed us in his word as individuals. A matter of fact, if you look at, um, let me see, if you look at uh, second, is it first Pete? No. First Peter three five three fifteen. Excuse me. First Peter three fifteen. It says, "But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of your hope, and 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 what the meekness of their fear." See, one of the things that Christians don't want you to ask them about. They don't want you to ask them about Christ. That's true. It is. They, and. And I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> Except to say, if you think about it, um, you know, in Jude, in the book of Jude, we, we, uh, I, I'm putting away my cards. Wait, hold on a minute. There. My friend Jennifer bought me these cards. Are those awesome or what? Wait. Spies playing cards. Wow. Yeah. From the spy museum. Anyway. <laughs> But anyway, the thing is, is, um, yeah, uh, the, I forgot what I was going to say. Can you believe it? You know what? Don't worry. It will come back. In the meantime, I'll segue and say, You mentioned hey. Jude. You are going to say something. Oh, about yeah. That. In Jude. Okay. There you go. Thank you, honey. Right. <laughs> in, in the book of Jude, it talks about how the, the, the heresies and the false teachers crept in, right? If you really study the book of Jude, it's fascinating. First of all, it's a little dinky book. I love it. But but it talks about how they crept in. So the picture that you get here is is that, you know, the church service is going on, and then they're sneaking in the back door, you know, kind of slithering and sitting in the back row. And then eventually they weasel their way into some type of leadership, and they introduce these destructive heresies. Um, <clears throat> You know, and that's what they do. And as a result of that, and I'll be, I'll boldly say this: one of the destructive heresies that's been introduced into the church is psychology. Now, before you get mad at me for bagging on psychology, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology, so I know a little bit about psychology and what it teaches. And I don't hate psychology, but in the in the context of it being preached from the pulpit as self help, I have a problem with it because it's not biblical, right? You know, psychology is all about the self and Christianity is all about losing yourself and denying you, denying yourself and lifting up Christ. And so I think the reason why we have no Christ in the church is because of that very reason. And so Christians don't know how to talk about Christ because they're not being taught about Christ. That's my opinion. Well, you're exactly right. Um, one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking and, and, and looking at Jude, um, 
none of these things, none of these things that are happening are new. Um, we just see them repeating themselves because throughout throughout the Bible, we, you know, the Bible in the Bible, uh, God gives us a, a a lot of examples of what what to look for, you know, different behaviors, and He even talks about, you know, well. If people don't know what an apostate is, those are the people that that fall away. Uh, an apostate simply means to fall away. And what happens is they see, what happens is they see the benefit. See, there are many folks that have gotten into the ministry. They've even gone to seminary because they picked it up as a vocation. It's a job. That's why you have a lot of preachers. They're not saved. They went to seminary. They know how to exegete. They know how to do uh, teach expository teaching. They know how to do a lot of things. They know pulpiteering. They know how to uh, teach the history and stuff on the text, but they they don't necessarily understand the the the, uh, the spiritual side as much as God would want them to understand it. So they only look at it as a way of making a living. And people for for us to talk about it, some people may think it is it's heresy, but but it's a fact. Right. It's a. It's just a fact. It is a fact. Amen, yeah. brother. So, so when you look at apologetics, when you meet a person that has seriously been saved, there's there's a, a, a there's such a, a desire that rests in that person to want to please God that they will do just like today. I was at therapy. And a guy came in and he was talking to me and he was saying that he was, he heard about this Ezekiel bread, right? Have you ever heard of Ezekiel bread where they take the ingredients out of Ezekiel yeah. and they make bread? And he was saying that it's available in Kroger. So he was thinking that, oh man, it's awesome. I can get me some Ezekiel bread, right? Right. So he goes to Kroger, he goes to buy it, but then it, it has some, some scripture on it. And, and and he goes back and he and he reads Ezekiel one, and then it talks all about the rebellion of the Israelites, and how God was just supplying them something to eat while they were in exile, and he did not realize during that time that they were offering their children up to the to the idol Moloch. See, a lot of people don't know about Moloch, but that was back in the Old Testament. And they were actually putting, and these were Israelites. These were God-chosen people. Right. True. You don't know the history. See, one of the things about learning the history, uh, I've learned about, you know, looking at the Old Testament, is that I start to understand the New Testament that much more. Amen. Yeah. I I, I think uh, Chuck Missler, I think it was, I don't know if it was Chuck Missler, he quoted somebody, but he basically says that the, the um the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament and the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. And when you when you consider um just how the Bible was even written, I saw a question in here or a comment, and I don't know if it's meant to be like, ooh, I'm gonna go ahead and stump you Christians. But I saw somebody write something to the effect of you're you don't really believe in God, but you're you're a person that believes in science. To which I would say, oh, my gosh, do you realize that all the major scientists use the Bibles in in order to discover, you know, things, you know, that that happen? I mean, that's, you know, science and the Bible are completely compatible. They are completely. Right. 
It is compatible, and that's the interesting thing. The Bible contains history, but it's not a history book. It contains science, but it's not a science book. It also contains uh, astrology, but is not necessarily a book about the stars. Right. Uh, <laughs> and the amazing thing about it is it, it took them, when Christopher Columbus was starting to discover, you know, what, what in, in the distance existed, they thought they were going to fall off the end of the earth. And, and it amazes me, and this still pertains to being able to defend your faith, because one of the things that the Bible has already told the world, that uh, told, told us, was that the earth was round before Christopher Columbus even what came into existence. Yeah. And I was watching, I was watching um, the, uh, what is it, the Scientific Channel, and they were talking about the planets, and they were talking about the, uh, the Hubble periscope. I mean, the Hubble, um, what do you call it? The spacecraft. Telescope. Yeah. What is is it, Randall? Telescope. Yeah, telescope. So what happened was they had messed up on the mirrors that were supposed to be the eyes so that the the telescope could actually take images and pictures of the galaxies that they wanted to see. But what they had to do, they had to, in, 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 in essence, they had to make, a, a, a big set of glasses for the for the for the uh for the Hubble periscope telescope. <laughs> it's close enough. Yeah, but they have to make a set of glasses. Right. So so that this 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 particular thing in outer space could see see better because it wasn't sending back clear images. Right. And do as I was sitting there and I was I was watching them do that. Not only did I see God in giving them the ability to be able to correct the problem, but then once they got this uh, attachment in place and then they got the glasses put on the lenses of this particular um, uh, telescope, what happened was they started to see stars for miles and miles and miles. And God said it in the Bible. I know. That's what... Yeah, see, and that's totally cool. By the way, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the chat room, but I think Tom is here from Iceland. And Tom, let me tell you a story, okay? Just a really fast story. Once upon a time, I was I got a coupon for Always Feminine Protection, just so you know. And this is short. Don't worry. <laughs> this is so short. Anyway, long story short, this this coupon came to my mailbox, okay? And... I needed to use it. Long story short, I put off using it, and then finally a Saturday showed up. I it finally showed up. I went to Target and I used it. Right when I'm at when I'm at Target, I meet this woman. I said, "Fancy meeting you here," and she's like, "Oh hi, you know, blah blah." And I'm like, "Here's a coupon for Always Feminine Protection." And Tom, you're probably wondering what does this have to do with Iceland? Well, it turned out that this lady was from Iceland, and it turned out that she was a Christian, just like me. And it turned out that her husband actually was also in the store with her. And they were looking for the president of the Gideons International for the Orange Camp in Southern California. Okay. And the reason they were looking specifically for that person was because they happened to be the president of the whole nation of Iceland for the Gideons International. This is like the total condensed version of this story because it's a really cool story. But anyway. Long story short, if you're in the Gideons, these are the people that put Bibles in your hotels, okay? Um, 
they don't allow you, uh, they don't allow other members of of different camps to know who who's who, right? And so this couple from Iceland literally flew to Orange County, California, and they were praying to find that they were praying for to find the person who headed up the camp for the orange camp of the Gideons. And that happened to be my husband. All right. So God exists because God sent a feminine pad coupon to my house (laughs) for target because he knew, and this is the truth because he knew that that would get my attention. And it did. It harassed me for a whole dang week. I'm just saying anyway. And so I went to target and the funny thing is, is, all week, this thing's bugging me, right? All week. Finally, when I finally go, even on the day I went, I, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know it was the Holy Spirit. You know, tell me, just go, just go. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm not going. Finally, when I went, literally the woman that God wanted me to meet was literally standing right there in front of that stuff here. I'm just telling you. And, and so if God can connect me with somebody in Iceland that was in my backyard, because they needed to know my husband. Just saying. And seriously, Tom, let me ask you this. What's the likelihood you you came into this scope and would hear a story about Iceland from somebody here in Tennessee? By the way, I was in California at the time. <laughs> God is real. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, I wouldn't even try to make it up because it's so crazy. Uh, but anyway, let me also thank our sponsor, Ariel Ministries. Uh, is our sponsor. If you guys don't know, uh, you can go to ariel.org, A-R-I-E-L. You're welcome, Joshua. And um, and you can save 20% when you use the coupon code um, <laughs> Bible News. <laughs> told, sorry, sorry, I was reading the comments. I got distracted. Uh, yeah, use the coupon Bible News. There is a brand new book. It's called Life of the Messiah. Uh, Yeshua, Life of the Messiah from Messianic Jewish Perspective. Volume 3 is out. And I'm still waiting to hear what the, new, the other new books are that I'm going to get to share with you. But don't worry. If you keep tuned in, you can, you'll can you find all that out. Camp Shoshana is also next month, I think, July 8th through August 19th. Uh, you can go there, and you can learn more about that by going to ariel.org. And don't forget, go there, sign up for their email list, get on their email list. You'll really, really, really be glad that you did. And don't forget to listen to Bearface that night because he teaches from – Uh, that perspective and you'll learn a lot about your faith. Also, don't forget, you can become a pillar of our community. And all that is, is uh, that's your way of saying, Hey, you guys, I really totally love what you do. All the hundreds of hours of work you put in a month to deliver an awesome show with awesome guests. And we just request that you give us $25 a month or more. If God's giving you a lot more money, you want to give us more. I'm open to that. Uh, and then what we do is we say thank you. We put you into a private Facebook group and we provide a lot of behind the scenes interviews and different stuff like that, including a monthly meetup with our members. So uh, all you got to do is go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And I think that's it, right? For now, that'll work. All right. So I wanted to ask you, uh, Pastor, and I, I love calling you that, by the way, because you are. You're a, you're a shepherd. I wanted to ask you, what is one of your favorite all-time stories in the Bible? I know, I know that's a loaded question because you read, you read the Bible, and there's probably a lot of them. But I wanted, I wanted to find out what's one of your all-time favorites because 
just to get you know to know you a little bit better. I, I, I think, to be honest with you, I think it's with Paul's conversion. I think it's Acts chapter nine, mm-hmm. uh, where where Paul is converted, uh, because uh, Paul was sincere about preserving uh, the law because he was taught, he was well educated, uh, he was Greek, Roman, and Hebrew, so he was well educated on the law. But he didn't he didn't know about Christ, so he was persecuting Christians. And it's not that I was persecuting Christians; it's just that um, I always equate my experience as being an experience where I was broken. See, and and sometimes you may hear people say I was broken but blessed. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul being broken uh, as Saul before he became Paul, uh, he, then God blessed him by allowing Ananias to go through. And it's amazing when you look at the numbers. He actually um, was was in, in a state of blindness for three days. Um, you know, the number three is always significant. But but just by him having that encounter, it showed me that that that's what what it took for me. I had to be broken, and and sometimes in in Paul's brokenness, he was actually sat down. For some time, for I believe the Spirit to minister to him, and for for Ananias to get his assignment to go and 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 go and relieve him or or deliver him from the scales that were put on his eyes. So I I, I can really connect with that because I I have experienced that level of brokenness because I was so attached to the world that I didn't even know God existed on that level where I could have a relationship with. Him. Yeah, amen. Amen. And, you know, the other thing, too, that, that I think about when I think about uh, Saul becoming Paul and all of the stuff that he went through, all the imprisonments and all this other stuff, people look at prison like that was a bad thing. But think about this. If he had never gone to prison, do you think we'd have the Bible the way we have it today? Exactly. Because he wrote most of it there, you know. At least that's that's pretty much what I think. I think that's yeah, right. Did I ever share with you the story about um Angolia prison. Nope. Down there. Um, well, well, this is the thing, and and I got this from Ravi Zacharias. He said this prison, this prison was such a mess. I mean, it was so wicked that when the inmates checked in, they actually gave them a shank when they checked in. That was a part of their welcoming package into the prison. And he said that um, when when the uh, warden, the new warden, got there. It was like blood everywhere and, you know, people yelling expletives and, and I mean, you know, um, people uh, disrespecting other men. Uh, it, that's a nice way of putting it. But, but one of the things was this warden came in and he asked the state, he says, well, look, guys, this is what I want to do. And what he did was he brought the Bible into the prison and, and they started teaching. Um, they started introducing the Bible into that environment. And within a short period, I forgot the time frame, but within a short period of time, the total environment of the prison had changed. Mm-hmm. And not only, not only did it change, but these guys stopped violating each other. The place became, they actually have a seminary in the prison. And they talked to some of the guys that are on death row that are actually pastors on death row. And one of the young guys that 
he had been on death row for probably 17 years, and I think he was going up for execution pretty soon. And they said, well, what are your concerns? Are you concerned about dying? And he was like, no. He said, since I was introduced to the God that I serve, the God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he said that I am so free. You could take all these bars away, and it will never, it would never give me the freedom that I have in God. And this guy's on death row getting ready to be executed and went to school to be a pastor. And, and, and now it's, it's one of the prisons where people want to go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hey, I want to I want to commit a crime so I can go to this prison. <laughs> it's a max. It's a hey, Stacy. It's a max prison, but that's just the power of the gospel. Let me. Can I read something to you? Yeah, go ahead. That's why you're here. <laughs> and and because we're talking about because we're talking about uh, apologetics and Christians being able to defend the faith, and I want to thank those people that are on Periscope. I I can't see them because I'm not. I'm on, I'm actually on my iPad, so I can't see them coming up. I want to thank them for uh, the hearts. I want to thank them for inviting their friends and, and followers, Larissa, Joshua, and I see Debbie. I see a bunch of other people that normally follow me and also follow you that are sharing. If it's anyone that I miss, charge it to my head and not my heart. But I want to thank you guys for sharing. But listen, guys, if you are a Christian and you go to a church that's not teaching you, they're not discipling you, they are doing, They are actually doing you a discredit. I'm not trying to throw shade on any ministry, but you should go back to your church. If you're not strong in being able to verbalize your faith, you need to go back because it just doesn't happen just because you got saved. Why do you think the disciples spent three and a half years walking with Christ? He was teaching them. See, and, and one of the things about um, Christians defending their faith, let me read this. Um, it said right here, I wrote down or, or in my notes, it says, defending the Christian faith was greatly needed or is greatly needed because we have people coming into the New Testament church as infants. The defense of the biblical truth is necessary because it has been and will always be under attack. The Bible has been under attack since its inception. Now, listen, knowing what you believe and why you believe it is important in a world where seemingly everything is challenged. See, see, one of the things about Christians, now, the world tolerates everything else except for Jesus. True. That's very true. You, you can wear whatever you want to wear based on your religion, you can pray to your, you can have to go and pray five times wherever you have to do it, but please don't pray in Jesus' name. And, and for the life of me, I can't understand it. Do you know the woman that, that, that uh, took prayer out of school? Yeah. Do you know her son became a minister? I've had him on our show. Yeah, William Murray. Yeah, and now they're trying to reverse that. They're, they're going through uh, uh, steps from what I read to try to reverse that. They didn't, they didn't understand the damage that they were doing. I know. And, and most of the people, that's why I love the God that we serve, because he says, pray for our enemies. Didn't Christ on the cross, didn't he say, Father, forgive them 
for they know not what they do. See, uh, uh, people are doing what they, they do because they have a need. They want to serve something. People want to serve something. And if they don't choose the right thing to serve, then they will have such a strong desire. That's why people will strap bombs to themselves because they honestly believe in their minds and in their hearts that they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's really interesting. Let's go back to the whole prison discussion. Okay. Um, because just just to could tie that in with Islam, you know, Islam, one of the number one recruiting grounds for Islam is the prison, right? I mean, you know, because most of the men who are in prison, uh, at least the research I've looked at, shows that most of them don't have relationships with their dad, right? I mean, that's unfortunate. And and um, and they commit these crimes and they're not necessarily always, always violent. Some some of them are just drug ad, drug addicted. Right. You know, and they, they get all that. Well, you know, Chuck Colson, Colson, the late Chuck Colson, who I had the honor of meeting many years ago, actually. And I have I actually he's one of the few people that I got to do a little soundbite for us that says, hi, I'm Chuck Colson for Active Christian Media, because that's what it was. I think it was that I had him say. But um, he he actually I think that the soundbite might actually be in our our thing. But um, but, you know, when he. Uh, got arrested because of Watergate, you know, and he's thrown in prison and basically became a believer. The Lord commissioned him to do prison, prison fellowship. And what's interesting about that is that, um, you know, that's a nonprofit organization. You have it? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and play it. Hi, I'm Chuck Colson for Active Christian Media. <laughs> there you go. Wow. See, yeah, I got to meet him like a, uh, I don't know how long ago. It was before he died, but he was at a conference at um, the Crystal Cathedral, and I got to meet him in person. I got a picture with him and all that. It was, it was totally cool. Um, but anyway, you know, the Prison Fellowship is a nonprofit uh, organization, They and they're within the prison system, and they have um, like a, a minuscule recidivism rate for the prisoners in these prisons um, who actually go through it. Uh, and, you know, and so it is interesting to me that people can feel freer inside a prison when they become a, a Christian. Carla Faye Tucker, you know, the notorious murderer, or, you know, she became a Christian in, in prison. Ted Bundy, who Dr. Dobson had uh, the opportunity to interview. In fact, Dr. Dobson interviewed Ted Bundy on Ted's request because he wanted uh, he wanted Ted, or Ted rather, wanted Dr. Dobson to be able to share the truth about pornography and how his use of pornography led him down the road to, to all these murders. And I think there was some cannibalism involved in there too. So, you know, Jesus can set people free in prison, right? I mean, so I just thought I'd share that because there is prison ministry, and you know, the Bible actually talks about visiting those who are in prison. You know, so. yeah. Um. Well, you know, one of the things is, and even in, in our faith as believers, um, there's a su- such such a well, there's a certain level of vulnerability that comes with all of us, uh, because one of the things when you start to look for faith, because God says it's not good for man to be alone, and I don't think it was just limited to to having a a wife or a husband, but I think it's just in the nature and in, in the way that He built us that we, we, we gravitate towards wanting to, to, to worship something. 
and to also have something that's that we can hang we can hold on to and some people sometimes or a lot of times they just choose the wrong thing and that's one of the reasons why gangs are so prevalent and have been able to strive because the the kids that that they have in these gangs are a lot of kids not all of them but they have been rejected by their community so they looked for a family of people that's willing to accept them and then they start to do anything uh that 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 will you know um satisfy the requirements to be a part of of that group but but you know the prison ministry i ran into quite a few people that um that that have different faiths and i have dialogued with quite a few and the interesting thing about dialoguing with people outside of of your belief uh circle so to speak is you learn what you don't learn first of all i mean you learn what you don't know right and then also you learn more about what they know right See, and i think sometimes we we fail to equip ourselves with understanding the the muslim faith we we fail to understand or uh, educate ourselves about the buddhism and and when i when i was in school and i studied world religions I was amazed. I was just amazed at at how how all of these religions catch this station. All of these religions they make reference of the Bible, but the Bible never referenced none of them. Yeah, that's true. And and then I was like, a blind man could see that. Yeah, you know. Gandhi used a lot of, he walked around with the New Testament, they say. So so it, it amazes me how people are still, but, but then again, it, I understand that man, man is a, man, is man and, and we're dealing with a, a, such a level of sin. But, but one of the things I wanted to share uh, about Colossians, from Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 8, Colossians chapter 2, because you were talking about psychology a few minutes ago. And one of the things I'm working on, I'm trying to become a better listener. <laughs> so listen to this. Listen to this. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. See, see, a lot of times we have to realize and understand, just because we say we're going to heaven, it doesn't mean that our flesh doesn't still want to have its way. It doesn't mean that we don't drift sometimes in our level of consciousness when it comes to focusing on who we are and whose we are. And one of the things you got to be careful of you have to stay, we always say this stuff, you have to stay prayed up, you have to keep on the full armor of God, that's real, that's real, because people will come, why do you, how do you think Jim Jones got people to drink sign, now I know most of, most of that he forced them to do, but out of coercion and manipulation and his own philosophy, he persuaded these people to follow him. And you have to be careful. That's why I would always encourage people to, to make sure you study the Bible. 
If you don't know something, just tell somebody you don't know. But that's the question that you need to go back and do some research on. So therefore, if it comes up again, I was talking to an atheist. And this is one thing I learned from uh, apologetics is when, if somebody asks you a question, make sure you listen to the question and then respond with the question. Did you hear what I just said? I did. What do you yeah. think? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that was a joke. So you said respond with a question. I, you asked me a question. <laughs> I responded with a question. I could totally yeah. do that all day. I'm a trained therapist, you know, just so you know. Anyway. Well, um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's the Socratic method. I mean, that's what basically Socrates did. I mean, he he basically asked questions. And, you know, it goes back to, um, well, do you know who Greg Kokel is? I'm assuming you, you probably know who Greg Kokel is, right? Greg, yeah, Greg Kokel. He, he actually hosts a, a radio show called Stand to Reason. And him and Frank Turek, who wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Like Frank Turek was actually my very first guest many years ago who, when he wrote the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That was my number. That was my first interview ever. Um, but Randall and I, we actually spent every Sunday afternoon um, – two hours every Sunday afternoon listening to Greg Kokel, right? Because maybe you don't know him because he has a show in Southern California. That's probably why. But you, you would love him because his whole – he wrote a book called Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair, <laughs> which you have to think about that, okay? I mean, feet firmly planted in midair. I mean, you know, the, yeah, there's, no, there's nothing there. Um, but anyway – on his show, this is where I really learned to defend my faith because he would he would he would actually ask people um, he would say to people uh, um, like what do you believe about blah 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 and then listen to the answer and instantly no matter what that person would usually generally attack him and say well this is what you believe blah 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 see people automatically assume that. They know what you believe. They do. They they think about it. The media thinks they know Christians. Give me a break. They don't know Christians, but most people automatically assume that they know what you believe. They never ask you, right? But right. see, part of the problem with Christians is when they are asked, they don't know how to respond, and that's why that's why we we need to build disciples and be disciples, and you know, and stuff. I have to tell you, Pastor um, Tommy Norman came in. By the way, hi. Hi, girlfriend. Uh, you know, and her and I, we were having a conversation about something. And um, I just have to say that, you know, I, I think I do know the Bible pretty well. But <laughs> talking to Pastor Tommy, I'm like, okay. And she, because she's like, well, what about this, this, and this? And I'm like, I, I was sitting there going, I really don't know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, anyway, so. Yeah, but but it's true. Everybody out there, you should raise a, a subject about the Lord, uh, except make sure you know what you're talking about, and then watch the person assume that they know what you believe, because that's what we all do, right? I mean, it's true. We do. You know, one of, one of the amazing things, one of the amazing things for me is when I sit back, and I had to learn this. I, I just didn't pick it up overnight. Um, God has, has has taught me how to to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. Um, but one of the things is when, I, when, when a person approaches you and they say, well, you know, if, if they're t- having questions about the validity of scriptures and then they start talking about 
let's say they start talking about inconsistencies or contradictions. You know how you can you can just stop them in their tracks? Ask them to show you. Right. Ask them to show you. Once you ask them to show you, they like, I don't, I can't point them out. Somebody says, I, I read the five fables in the Bible and the story's not true. I says, well, well, show me, show me which story's not true. Even science has, has, has already proven that there's a fish big enough to swallow you and you can last at least for, in the, in the belly of the whale of this fish, the, the, the temperature is only 104 degrees. And they've actually have uh, documentation where people, where a person actually uh, fell overboard and was swallowed by a fish. And he came up, he came up just like Jonah. He was white as bleach. He was bleached white. <laughs> it's just documented. Yeah. But, but one of the things is, listen, listen to this. What, I want to just share a couple of questions that, that sometimes come up. Uh, because I do, I know we have a couple of people listening, but I just want to share a couple of questions. Um, and and this listen to this. What do you tell a friend who is a Mormon and believes that the Book of Mormon overshadows the Bible? You know, these, these are these are questions that you have to be prepared because Mormons are riding their bicycles around, and you have to be prepared. So you have to understand what the Mormons believe in, who they believe in. You have to know about Joseph Smith, and you have to understand about the golden text. I mean, not that you have to know everything about them, but at least understand what they stand for. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. When defending the Christian faith, keep the following help, helps in mind. Grow your relationship with Christ through consistent study of the word and time in prayer. First, and then gain understanding of the full meaning because there's a lot more to Christian apologetics really than just giving a defense. You know, there's a science. There's a science that's involved with, with the whole process. So it, it's nothing that you can get on a show in an hour, but it's, it is something that churches, I want to always encourage pastors not to just let people come in their churches and give a tithe, give an offering take communion, and then leave, and they don't leave equipped. I always tell people when you go on people's scopes, especially when it comes to these scopes we do on religion and faith and, and Christianity and stuff like that, if you don't leave somebody's scope equipped with something new or a better understanding with some questions that make you go and do some research, stop following that person. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Well, and you know your your question about the about the Book of Mormon. You know the Mormons, and I think you probably heard me say this before. The Mormons target intellectual people. I mean Brigham Young University oh. is is a university, right? I mean um, the Jehovah's Witnesses target uneducated people, um, and um, I've had the blessing actually of interviewing Karma Naylor and her husband Chuck Naylor, who. Uh, uh, Karma wrote a book called A Mormon's Unexpected Journey, Finding the Faith I Never Knew. And the, her, her, really, her quick testimony is basically that she wanted her Jewish friend to become a Christian and, or a Mormon, a Christian Mormon, right? <laughs> they, they interchanged the terms. And anyway, she gave her friend a Bible 
and at Christmas time, and her friend read the Bible. It was a um, <clears throat> she read through the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and she believed who Yeshua is. Right? She she knew who Jesus was. She accepted. She moved out of state, and in the new area she moved to, she ended up getting involved uh, with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, this was Karma's BFF, and so as they're talking on the phone, they realized that. Well, we don't really have any other book in common in our faith anymore except for the Bible. And so Karma decided that she was going to start studying the Bible in order to prove the Jehovah's Witnesses wrong, her her BFF who became a Jehovah's Witness. And anyway, through that study, Karma, who was actually an ancestor of one of the founders of the LDS Church, actually started to uncover all the inconsistencies in Mormon theology. And in the book, uh, The Pearl of Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants and stuff, she actually um, discovered that all the verses that they would, quote, meditate on and learn from in those other books, right, including the Book of Mormon, um, were accurate. And she she ended up becoming a, a real follower of Christ. And her husband, Chuck, or Charles, rather, um, saw this difference in her. And for like a three-year period, two to three years, saw that she could no longer get up and testify in front of the the church that Joseph Smith was God's real prophet. Um, and anyway, long story short, it was Christian radio. He was listening to CRI, Dr. Walter Martin, back in the day when he was on Christian Research Institute. He pulled over to the side of the road one day after listening to, to uh, Walter Martin talk about uh, Mormonism and how it was a cult, and he called in and he committed his life to the Lord. Um, so, and what's interesting today, though, to to look at, you know, to to answer the question about the Book of Mormon versus the Bible, the where I would go with it, I first of all, I would tell them the story. I I wouldn't necessarily tell them about karma, because she's an apostate in the Mormon Church now. But I would say, you know, that's kind of interesting. Let's can you and I get together and look at the archaeological evidence for the Book of Mormon and the Bible and compare it. And I would go from there. <laughs> That's me, though. I don't know. Most people probably wouldn't want to take that time. But if you look at the, quote, archaeological evidence for the Book of Mormon, it's nothing but flawed. You know, so. Yeah. Um, one of the things about about the Mormon church, um, first of all, the Bible tells us if, if anyone comes to you with another gospel. Um, right. And. And, and they clearly state that it's a new a, a new testament, right? <laughs> I mean, I can stop right there for for me because now you're coming to me and you're contradicting what the Bible says because now you have something new where the Bible clearly states that it's nothing new. Yeah, well, and, and not only that, I mean, that's the intellectual way of going about it. And one of the things I've learned from karma, though, in dealing with women, especially in the LDS church, is you need to go to the heart. And the reason why is because women are put in bondage in the LDS church. It's such a it's such a works oriented faith uh, that it's super hard. Uh, hi, Cece. Um, it's super hard for them to break away from the bondage of, of the legalism and the works. I mean, especially when you look at the whole celestial kingdom, being eternally pregnant, having your own planet populated. I mean, I mean, I just look at that and go, who in the poop? I won't say that word, but <laughs> I, I, I would say who, what, what woman wants to be eternally pregnant and populate a whole planet? I'm sorry. Even Eve didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> just, just say it, you know. 
I, I would look at that. But then they, they what's interesting in, in dealing with, with the missionaries that come to your door is that when you actually know something of the history and say to them, well, you know, your prophet said this, then basically, like, for example, they wouldn't let black people in the Mormon church for a long time. And it's like all of a sudden the, the Mormon prophet, oh, we got this revelation, black people are okay, we, you know. And I'm, I'm just like, okay, so your books in the LDS Desiree bookstore are outdated prophets. <laughs> like, well, what's the Bible say about a real prophet, right? right. They would kill them, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. So, well, and like you say, it's, it's, it's more, uh, I think it's one of those things where, you know, a person really has to be born again. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where we as believers, we have to spend time in prayer. And I don't know if uh, Tommy Norman is still on, she is. but one of the things about, about pastor Tommy Norman and, and, and the, um, the gift that she has about healing, is is that that's a gift that was deposited to her, and that's and that's something that she prays. She stays in prayer and constant meditation on. She don't just wake up and say, "Hey, I can just heal." No, that's that's something that she has to be led by the Spirit. So so when you're dealing with these people, especially when it comes to people of other faiths, the first thing you have to do, and I've learned to do, is respect their faith. Mm-hmm. You have to respect their faith. If if you don't respect my restaurant, you reject my food when I bring it to the table, I'm putting you out of my restaurant. There you go. See, sometimes sometimes they're bringing stuff to the table that we don't want to eat, but 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 even at that rate to sit down and be able to dialogue. See, because if we don't if we don't dialogue, we will never get past all of that. It's amazing how they train. It's amazing how they prepare. It's amazing, but we go to church on Sunday. Don't make it the Bible study, and then we want to be we want to be these super understanding, discerning Christians throughout the rest of the week. But we're not spending time, you know, like like we should in studying the Word. Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you know what a cast down sheep is? Cast down. Yeah, a cast down sheep. No. Well, it's interesting because I've I've been studying Psalm 23, right? Okay. And and it says here, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Right? He leads me beside still waters. Uh, he restores my soul, etc. Blah blah blah. Okay. Anyway, so there's a there like basically, and and I raise this for a point because this is something that God showed me this week. Um, when when it says He restores my soul there in Psalm 23, one of the interesting things that um, Philip Keller, I think, is the guy that wrote the book A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a it's a real classic little dinky book, um, and everything is what he talks about is he talks about how the sheep are cast down, and in order to restore a cast down sheep, what you have to do. So a cast down sheep is basically a sheep that, that sometimes can lay into a soft, uh, a soft spot in the ground, you know, kind of like a ridge. He'll lay in there. And then what happens is he can't get up. He, he ends up on his back. You know, he, he ends up like a turtle on his back and he can't get up. So a cast down sheep is, is, you know, typically ends up that way because of a couple of things. Number one, cause he's got too much fat on him. Right. 
and Andor, he's got too much wool on him. He's grown a lot of wool because you've all seen those big woolly sheeps. You know, they walk down, they fall down, and they can't get up. Like, I've fallen and I can't get up, you know, and, and the sheep's legs. And what happens is, and this is the interesting thing I was reading in this book, is that when the, the sheep is cast down and he can't get up, he, he starts to panic. And when he starts to panic, uh, the way his body is developed, actually his legs begin to get paralyzed. And if he's not rescued soon enough, then what happens is he will die. And this book actually even talks about the weather conditions where a sheep that's cast down, you know, if it if it's hotter, you know, he might die earlier. If it's more overcast and cloudy, he might actually live a little bit live, live a little bit longer. Anyway, wow. so what's interesting though is when we talk about God restoring our soul, it's actually tied down to to the the cast sheep. The idea that we're sheep who, who often, you know, we fall and we can't get up because we can't, we just can't get up. We need our shepherd to help us. Right. And that goes to the point of, of how well our shepherd actually knows us and how careful we have to be with where we're at. You know, we can't just lay down. And become complacent. And, and you might know this. Many years ago, Amy Grant wrote a song called Fat Baby. <laughs> I don't, do you remember this song? I don't know. So many of you might maybe, maybe Tommy remembers this song, but it's called oh, Fat, Fat, yeah. it's, it's, it's called Fat Baby. And the whole purpose of that, that song, when Amy Grant wrote that song, was it was basically talking about how you go to church and you just eat all the spiritual food and but you're a baby you never you never start eating meat like Paul talks about by now you should be teachers right um and all that and and part of becoming a fat baby ultimately uh you're ineffective right and that's what you're talking about so we we have to have um better training and by the way we we have gone over the three o'clock I actually set this for a 90 minute interview so I don't know if you want to go for the whole 90 minutes but that's up to you. You should just let me know because we're we're at an hour and six minutes. Okay, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> just want to make sure. Anyway, so I thought I'd share that because that's something new I learned this week, and I, I just thought it was really interesting that the idea of restoration and restoring our soul is actually tied to the fact that when we need to be restored, it's because we've fallen and we need somebody else's help to get up. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then I just think it's interesting that that we're just used. Uh, well, they use we use sheep as 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 descriptive or to describe a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you start to study the characteristics of sheep, sheep are stubborn. They you know they wander off. You know, and and that's that's us. Yep, that's us. They we we need a shepherd. We we need a shepherd, and that's one of the reasons why in the local church, in the local church, I think um, many times uh, some some pastors, not all, because you know you don't want we we have this thing called throwing shade, where it sounds like you're talking about somebody or you're trying to put them down, but I'm not. But I think that if the under shepherds, which are the pastors of the churches now, if they knew their sheep. And I understand with the bigger churches, but you have more ministers. If they knew their sheep a little bit better, then they could probably tend to the sheep more on a personal level. And that's, that's one of the things that I think we've gotten far from is really um, when you come in the church 
as, as a member of the church, you, you should be able to give that pastor jurisdiction to speak into your life. Because one of the things I know, if you spend any amount of time around somebody as a pastor or as a leader, you can, you can pretty, it's like your children. You can tell when something is going wrong. So, so it, you should be able to speak into their lives. I, for the life of me, it doesn't make sense to join a church. I was talking to a guy. Let me tell you something. I was talking to a guy. Let me, this is, is kind of where, where some people are in their mindset when it comes to churches, because I'm agreeing exactly with what you just said. Now, he goes to a church. He's engaged to a lady, right? They're, they're getting ready to get married next month. Now, they live together. And, and him and another guy was having a conversation about, uh, or he asked the guy, was fornicating, fornication wrong? And I ended up walking into the conversation, and, and I wish I would have never ran into it, but I ended up listening, and, and then they asked me. They said, well, you know, what's your take? He's, he's engaged. He's getting married in July or whatever, and him and this lady live together. Are they fornicating? I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then this guy responded He says look He says in my eye Now this is a Christian that goes, that goes to church He says in my eye we, I, we feel as if though we're already married The only thing we have to do now Is go in front of the, 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 the pastor But then what happened was I told him this I says go and ask your pastor What does he think about your living conditions. Oh, he got he got spent out of out of out of whack. <laughs> he said, well, I don't have to talk to my pastor. And and then his fiance, of course, she goes to another church, which I don't have a problem with. But you mean to tell me you don't feel comfortable going to your pastor and asking a question pertaining to the Bible? And you sit under this person to spiritually teach you? Yeah. That's why you don't believe fornicating is wrong. Or he knows and he or he knows it's wrong and he didn't want to well, capture He was he was very adamant. Oh really? Saying that it was okay. <laughs> now I mean I mean either he was just trying he was one of them sheep trying to pull wool over this sheep aisle or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> he was he was dogmatic about that. But we just gotta one of the things is um, I just want people, those of us who are saved, those of us who are enjoying the relationship with Christ, we should feel bad if we can't go out and share with somebody else or, eat, eat, uh, or be able to answer some questions. Uh, some people will actually get, get a little bit smarter and grow spiritually if they dialogue with non-believers. Mm -hmm. See, we, so we become so comfortable talking to Christians. I, I told people like this, every once in a while, I want to get around some people that say some curse words, some people that drink alcohol, and some people that just do things that I don't agree with, because I want to be reminded of why I do what I do. Expect the light to shine if we never visit the darkness. Yeah, Amen. Well, and and hi, Vicky. I saw you just came in, and you didn't really miss any. I mean, you missed like the first hour, but <laughs> we're going to three thirty, four thirty your time. So don't worry, okay? You you're here, and there's always the replay. 
And remember, nope. the hearts matter on the replay, people. The hearts matter here, too. By the way, I should thank everybody for the hearts. You guys, thank you for the hearts. I see you guys are, are giving us hearts, and that rocks, just so you know. And, uh, and, and it's true, you know, the, you know your, your story there about, about that guy reminds me of um, another issue within the church. And, and just so you know, I actually was very honored. I think it was two weeks ago when we were at church. Um, our pastor came up to us and, and said, hey, I've, been, I've watched a couple of your shows. And, and I really liked it. <laughs> so, so my pastor tunes in occasionally, so I got to be good. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, who knows? You never know. I might get in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, but I remember when we were at a previous church, one of the worship leaders, um, guy on the worship team, he was living with his fiance, and everybody found out about it, obviously, and he was asked to leave the church, and, you know, because he wouldn't repent. He, you know, he was told, you guys stop that. Well, he had an excuse for it, and and I remember me and Randall having a conversation with him in the parking lot, which was heartbreaking because we were like crying almost, you know, going, sorry, buddy, you got to, you know, you got to leave because you're not repenting. That's what the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter five, you know, you have to leave. I mean, if you're not going to repent, you need to leave, get out, you know, because a little leaven, you know, it, you know, a little sin in the church can spread. And, and there was that big problem within, um, you know, there was that problem in, in the Corinthian church, right? I mean, you had people sleeping with, you know, other people. Just read the Bible, people. It's very interesting. It's better than soap opera, just so you know. And the sad part is that he actually left. He lived with the woman. He eventually got married to her. He repented, you know, and eventually he was restored back to the church. But but the fact that he, what happened was it was such, it was so emotional, it was emotional because who does church discipline anyway? Well, you don't really love me. You're throwing, if you really love me, you wouldn't throw me out of the church. Well, if you really love the Lord, you wouldn't be doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You know I mean? Let's talk, let's be real people. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Hey, I'm, t- I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You said you believe the Bible. Well, then you might want to do what the Bible says. And, and, and we just have to remember uh, again, you know, Paul does a lot of, he does a lot of uh, discipline in the church. He talks a lot about, um, uh, Protocol. Yeah. If I, he talks about protocol that's in the church, and and you and you guys follow protocol. Um, and one of the things, if we want to change the results, we have to start changing our practices, because if we allow the world to come in, and I said this the other day on one of my scopes, I, I stated that we we should not allow culture to control us as Christians. And, and we're allowing too much of the culture. And I'm not talking about the music and the style of music. I'm talking about the behaviors and some of the mannerisms that, that the world has, has come in the church. And now the church has adopted a lot of it. So now we have these, these tolerances that are being created. And what happens is people really don't feel as if though there's no urgency to change. But, but I guarantee you, in that situation where they, the pastor and the church decided to handle that situation the way that they did, it probably saved someone else that was watching from a distance. And also it saved the integrity of what the scripture says. We are so afraid. I have never seen, you know what, if my kids, when my kids were small 
if they messed up, and my, my, my youngest son is 19. If that guy messes up, I'm going to discipline. You know why? Because I love him. Right. Because I love him. So what you got a, a little, 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 little soreness on your butt? Not, not the 19-year-old, but when he was smaller, you know? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, and you said that, that we have people coming in, sitting down, becoming fat babies. Some of them babies need to need. I'm not gonna say they need to tail whip, but we just need to challenge each other a little bit more, you know. And and the thing is, it's only so that individual could benefit more from the walk with God. Yeah, that's all. Well, I mean, in Psalm 23, Randall's pretty quiet. Is Randall still there? Uh, Yeah, he's still here. Well, you know, in Psalm 23, three, it talks about thy rod and thy staff comfort me right what are rods used for by a shepherd right what are staffs used for yeah don't you think it's interesting that the lord would have david a shepherd say that they are comforting instruments <laughs> yeah think about it i mean they're they're used for discipline right they're yeah. used to for chastening that's a great word cc um yeah i mean and and you know unfortunately you know i'm kind of on the tail end of of the generation that says, you know, you should, parents shouldn't spank their kids. But let me tell you a story. When I was doing therapy in, in California, I actually, I was the school counselor for like, what, two, three years. And I had a little boy come in who had a little brother and him and his little brother were always getting in trouble. Right. I mean, this, the, the older brother was little kid. He, he was, he was my client, the, the, the older kid. And, um, and his mom worked at the school, so I always had access to her. I could go talk to her and tell her, oh, yeah, I saw your kid today, and, and you know, this is how it went. Well, one day I was having a conversation with the mom, and um, she, I, I asked her, so how's it going with him at home? You know, what's going on? And she said, well, you know, he's still acting out and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, okay, so what are you doing to, to discipline him? And she's like, well, we just basically have him, you know, we have him go to his room or we have him sit in the corner <laughs> Or whatever, something lame. And 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 I said, well, have you ever considered spanking your child? And this kid was like seven or eight. And she said, oh no, no. Me and my husband, you know, we have this belief in this rule that we should never spank our boy or kid or whatever. And I said, why? And well, we just think it wouldn't, it would not be a good thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. I said, well, I have to go see your son in a little while, and I'm going to talk to him. So I went in, and I I sat there with him, and we were talking and everything. And I said, you know, I think his name was Anthony. I said, Anthony, I have a question for you. He's like, what? I said, you know how your mom and dad, you know, discipline, you know, they they send you to your room and everything. I said, what do you think about that? I'm just, you know, tell me what you think about how they discipline you. He's like, ah, (laughs) I love it. I get to go in my room, play video games, whatever. You know, he was like totally loving it. And I said, just out of curiosity, what would you do if your mom and dad decided that they were going to spank you? And this is what he says to me. I'll never forget because it was so funny. He's like, he looked like, 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 like what? No. (laughs) And then he, and then he said, I would stop doing it. (laughs) And so I actually, I actually went, after my little session with him, I went across the, the 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 campus and I 
I said, hey, I just had a conversation with your boy. <laughs> and I relayed the conversation to her. And, um, and her response to me was, I think we might have to reconsider. And, and it was good because she had been kind of brainwashed into this, this liberal way of thinking that, you know, the, you know, spoil, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, this, you the know, it's the other way around, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but she was, she was basically, you know, bought into this, don't ever spank your kid crap. Cause it is crap people just, so you know, and, and then what was really super cool about it was, um, I left the school. I went on to do, do therapy other places and I got an email. It was about two years later. I got an email from her and she emailed me and said, you know what? My son is doing great. You know, we started spanking him and, you know, and things changed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Such, such, such liberation, uh, just by following, uh, biblical principles yeah and she was a christian that was the amazing thing well, was that she didn't she, really want to do, do things, it one of the things is that that when i look at the bible god never tells us to do something that doesn't benefit us never, and and when you look at whatever applicable situation whether it's from marriage you know because now you know they're trying to well, they've they've done it. They they said it's okay for same sex people to marry and and but but you won't change what God has said. Now you're gonna get the results. You don't now one of the things about sinning, or oh, you can sin, or you can be disobedient, but you don't get to dictate the results. See, and and, and and a lot of times people are not understanding and realize, do you realize and I know how you are and I know your stance on homosexuality and lesbianism. Uh, do you know that they have a pill out called PrEP where, where, where a gay man can take a pill that protects him from getting HIV? Yeah, they, they think anyway. How, how, much, how much more false security do we need to give this world? I know. I know. So... So, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and then getting back to, to the issue of the Bible, I just believe from Genesis to Revelation that the Bible is true. I believe that God wants the best for every individual in the world. And I just believe that. And, and the thing is, you don't have to. The thing is with God, God will not blow you up if you don't choose to live according to his will. So he'll he'll he gives you the choice. So 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 what I want to tell people on here today, you know, if you're not living uh, according to biblical principles and biblical standards, you're doing yourself a discredit. Uh, when you think you're depriving yourself of some luxury because you want to operate outside of the will of God, you have to realize and understand you don't get to dictate the outcome. Now the interesting thing about God. God promises us eternal life, but he never promises us that we will never get hurt. He never promises us that we will never get sick. He never, matter of fact, the Bible doesn't even promises us that everybody will be rich. He said we will be prosperous. Some of us will be rich, but you have people walking around telling people that everybody's meant to be rich. And, 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 and technically, that may be a true statement, but Everybody is not meant to be rich according to the Bible. That's just the way I see it. 
I agree and, with. I actually agree with you. And and and, it, and it's amazing to me because I think those are no other levels of bondages that Christians have to deal with because now they looking in the mirror saying, "Why am I not rich? I'm giving my tithe. I'm I'm going to church, you know, or or why am I sick? You know." The Bible says the life is short and full of troubles. <laughs> you choose which trouble you want. Yep. Amen. Amen. It's so true. Well, we only have about five minutes left, okay. and I actually really do need to end on time because I have okay. an appointment at four. Um, okay. But I wanted to I wanted to thank you, and I also wanted to give you an opportunity to tell you, tell people where they can you know where they can find you, and 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 if anybody who's still in here actually has a question. Uh, for Pastor Pete, Pastor Pastor P, Pastor Pete. I like Pastor Pete. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you don't like that, but he. I, like, I, didn't, I didn't say I didn't like it. I gave you. I gave you a pass. <laughs> you call me Pastor Pete. Nobody else, though, right? Right. That's how you know it's me and nobody else. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. I, you know, question or are they pretty quiet yeah you guys quiet well let's see i see vicky and i see melanie barefaced mia hi mia and there's somebody else there i can't see i don't know your icon by but i know i'm following you i can't i can't see and there's somebody with no face oh angie angie's in there uh and and i don't know who that is sorry i don't know who you are sorry but anyway um, yeah, Randall, why don't you weigh in? You, you've, you've been listening to this. We should just have, well, I can't do what you're doing, but we should have uh, Calla Daisy. Okay. We should have Bareface weigh in, too. You can knock me off, put you on. Okay, well, I didn't set up the shot that oh. way, but... Um, okay. Well, then never mind. I can put myself on solo for there a little bit. But, there uh, he is, my handsome, hunky man. I think it all goes back to just from the start. Now, like uh, Pastor, what you were saying from the beginning, you know, the important part about uh, first, pre- first Peter 3.15 is that first part. But, but sanctify or make holy, hagedzo uh, in, the, in the Greek, to, to set apart, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Um, Lord, he's, he's Lord, you know, and he's God. It's both, you know, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And then the rest will follow. You know, sometimes people want to be, okay, super knowledgeable, and I'm going to study to, you know, so I have an answer so I can be the Mr. Know-it-all and, and give the response. That, um, But, you know, it, it's going to be empty knowledge at that point. If you want to be ready to defend the faith, to give a reason for the hope that is in with you with gentleness and respect, with meekness, it begins with sanctifying uh, in your heart, the Lord as God, God is Lord of your life. And, and that gives you all the perspective, uh, that's necessary to prepare for, uh, giving an answer. Then you have hope, you know, it's hope in him and hope in the salvation that he brings hope in the, uh, just hope in the purpose that he brings hope in the hope that he brings hope in the love and then, and then you're set up to, um, yeah, to really give, give an answer, give a defense, uh, apologia in the Greek, um, something out of logic, but it doesn't, 
uh, it's not just an intellectual thing. It begins with that um, making him your Lord. Amen. Yeah. One one of the things I just wanted to read real quick is it's out of uh, and just on the on the same note with, that Randall was talking about, uh, in, in in looking at the practicality of of the defense of our faith, applying truth doesn't require great intellect. In Second Peter uh, three one it says, "Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance." And, and and that's one of the things you have to like like Randall said you have to set yourself apart you have to separate yourself and be and be 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 dead to yourself and alive to to Christ. Hey, hey, guys, for just having me on, uh, it's always a privilege. Thanks for giving me at least ninety minutes of your time. Well, it was fun and it went by really super fast, and I totally oh. appreciate it. All right, next week, everybody, on Monday, we're having Anita McKinney on. She's the awesome women uh, of the word here on, on Periscope. She's going to be our guest Monday. On Tuesday, we're having the sales whisperer, Wes Schaefer, come on the show. We're going to talk to him. That should be interesting. And on Wednesday, we're having Victor Torres, who happens to be one of the, the conference which played in my group that Victor's going to be my guest. We're going to be so, see you next week. And uh, remember, be bold, stand up, and go with God. Bye. Okay, hold on. We end the episode.